This is episode 208 of IDRA Class Notes. For my colleagues, it's remember the impact that you have. It doesn't matter if you're virtual or you're in person. What you say, how you act, how you interact with your kids, it says something to them. And you may not know the impact you have on them for a couple of years, and that impact is still probably even more important now that kids are isolated socially, is to just remember your words and actions mean so much to your kids. Hello, welcome to the Adiore Class Notes podcast. I am Christy Goodman, Adiore's Director of Communications, and I'm here with Aurelio Montemayor, our Family Engagement Coordinator. And we are so pleased to be talking about teaching high-level math through distance learning with our special guest teacher, Jennifer Schultz-Aguirre. She teaches Algebra 1 through AP Calculus BC at Brandeis High School in Northside ISD here in San Antonio. She has a master's degree in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis on math. And today we're going to be focusing on teaching high-level math through distance learning. When school shut down in March, IDRA launched Learning Goes On with policy news and information for educators. We held weekly webinars on instruction through distance learning from at the very beginning on how to use Zoom and Google tools all the way to engaging students and covering different content areas and grades. And we featured teachers, policymakers, parents, and students themselves This has been a very challenging time for teachers who've had to shift everything to do their jobs and have to keep adjusting as conditions change, but all because they're so deeply committed to their students and their success. And our guest today is here because of a student recommendation. In full disclosure, that student is my daughter, a high school senior who told me a few months ago, my AP calculus teacher does everything right. So that is why we're so happy to to be talking with you. And first, why don't you just introduce yourself a little more and a little more about your background and what you're teaching. Yeah, so my name is Jennifer Schulzigire, and this is my 14th year of teaching. So I did not start in teaching. I worked through accounting for a long time, found out it wasn't at all fulfilling for me anymore and wanted to do something that gave back to the community and realized that math at first was an issue for girls. I thought girls didn't like math. They were told that they couldn't be good at math. So I came into teaching that to show you know, girls that they could. And then when I got here, I realized that a lot of boys don't like math anymore either. And so it became more a personal challenge for me to get kids to appreciate mathematics. If they never love it, okay, that's fine. But I wanted them to learn to appreciate it and then also have confidence in being able to do it. So the last 14 years have been some of the best of my life because I'm finally in a career that follows my heart and my desire to give back to the community in the best way I felt like I could. As you prepared this summer for this school year, what were your top priorities for helping students succeed through distance learning? First was to take multiple deep breaths myself because I was I so much a part of who I am is interacting in person with my students them getting to know me and me getting to know them. And that's so different, even from the spring, like when we did the distance learning in the spring, I had to figure out a way to still make that happen, 
Plus, we were learning a new learning management system. So we moved away from Google Classroom to Schoology, and we got that access two weeks before school started. And so a lot of it, though, was how do I make sure these students that don't know me, how am I going to make them feel comfortable taking calculus and especially feel comfortable in a virtual environment? What kind of things can I bring across in a Zoom meeting that would be somewhat the same as what I would do in person. And so a lot of it was just trying to remember the names of the kids in my classroom, trying to put faces with names. That was also hard because a lot of kids don't turn their video on. So getting to know my kids has been really difficult. Um, I do a lot of activities in calculus, matching activities. So I had to figure out how to do that virtually. So I learned how to do Google drawing very well and um, get some of those activities going. So it was mostly... How do I calm myself down? And then once I get myself calmed down, can I help the kids get calmed down? Even before teaching content, it was how do we get the students to feel comfortable learning calculus in an online environment? How much can I make that online environment like my classroom in person as much as possible? So a lot of it's just talking to the kids before we even start content, finding out you know how they're doing. But I do it with reaction emojis because... In Zoom, nobody wants to say how they're feeling out loud or they'll throw something in chat for me. So just trying to figure out the little pieces where I can still get to know kids and work through Schoology discussion boards or the chat on Zoom, things like that. Now, some of the things you're mentioning actually could be in any content area, but math is proving to be the greatest challenge in terms of distance learning. The reports keep coming out that the subject where the greatest learning loss is happening. So as you're teaching this hardest of subjects in the sense of what the data is showing right now, what are the challenges you think are unique to teaching math in this distance learning environment? Uh, The big challenge for me has been, so in my in-person classroom, kids would be in groups of four. When we were done with the direct teach or the activity, they'd have time to work on their homework in their groups. I could walk around and I could fix misconceptions on the spot. So as they were working or I could hear them talking in their group and the whole group is having this one misconception, I could walk over there and say, hey, let's think about it this way. Remember, we have to remember this rule or this whatever. But now I don't have that ability. Like I have them do daily practices every day and I spot check them, but it takes so much time, which seems silly, to load it up into Schoology, look at it, try to annotate it, and then save it back to the kids that it's almost prohibitive for me to give them that direct feedback. And I'd rather give them feedback immediately, not looking at their homework later, because I know some of my students aren't going back to that homework to look at what I annotated. And so that's been a huge challenge in mathematics in general, whether you're teaching algebra one or teaching calculus like I am this year, it's just really difficult to give the kids that immediate feedback on the work they're working on. And I think that that's what's really unique about mathematics. And I would put physics up there too, right? Where if you're taking physics, you're doing mathematical problems and there's misconceptions that we just can't fix immediately. So I would, without doing any research or anything, would venture that that's a big reason why the learning gaps are happening is that we aren't able to fix those misconceptions immediately. Another thing is that our district asked us not to do more than a 15 minute video. And so it's impossible to teach calculus in 15 minutes and have the kids be prepared for the AP exam at the end of the year. So I've just tried to keep it 
like 30 minutes. Some days it's shorter, some days it's longer, but we have stuff we've got to get through to try to get my kids to be as ready for the AP exam as possible. And so, you know, having to kind of limit your interaction with the kids with the content is hard because I'm posting a video, right? No kid wants to watch a 30 minute video if they were absent, but I just, that's one thing I have not figured out. How do I teach calculus content in 15 minutes? And so it's usually a little bit longer, but I would say the immediate feedback is the number one issue we're having in math. Might there be other tools for immediate feedback, do you think? That you um, for use? online? Yes. Um, one thing I did at the beginning of the year was like, hey guys, before you get off Zoom, do this one problem, hold it up to the camera. And wow. so I could spot check it. The problem yeah. is, is that I can't read it all the time. So it depends wow. on their camera how it does, if they're writing in pencil, if they're writing in pen, how dark did they write? How small did they write? And then it takes time, right? So I've got 34 kids in one of my BC classes, you know, to check 34 kids problems is going to take me 10 or 15 minutes of class time that I don't have when we have 50 minutes to teach. The other thing would be to have them send me a picture of it, like in real time and look it up on the email. But again, we're just running into that time crunch. Well, one thing I'm thinking of is the old overhead projector that had a little camera that projected the page as it sees it on the screen, but we don't have those tools yet. Yeah, it's okay. tough. And then the, the exams, I'm able to give them good feedback because they have a free response question they have to do. And I put a rubric together. And so when they go back and look at the rubric and what they missed, they're getting some feedback that way. But I hate that it's happening at test time. Yes. So from all these experiences with distance learning, what are these things would you take back when you have full face-to-face -face without separation, maybe a year from now? Definitely uploading a video every day, putting the homework up there, putting the notes on Schoology because kids are absent or kids don't get the concept the very first time. So they can go back and look at the video whenever they need it. I started doing that last year. We have an app on the iPad called Explain Everything that records what you're saying in writing. Um, and now Zoom, of course, records. So when I'm using the calculator, the kids can see my keystrokes on the calculator as we're working. And so that is something I will definitely keep doing is if you're absent, go to Schoology, look at your stuff, look at the video. If you have any questions, please, you know, come back to me. Doing like tutoring via Zoom. I usually do individual tutoring appointments for kids that need it. That's something that's great because I could do it at home, right? Yeah. I don't have to be at school. I did Starbucks study groups back last year. So kids and I would meet whoever wanted to the night before a test at a local Starbucks and we would, it'd be like an open house. I'll be there from six to eight, drop by. We're doing that virtually now. So in fact, tonight are my calculus AB kids and I will be meeting from six to eight on Zoom. I can do it from my home and help them through the review. So things like that, I think I will continue to use Zoom as long as the district has it and help kids out when it's more convenient for them and for me. You know, you're really good at what you're doing. What advice do you give to so many of your peers who are still so nervous about apps and Google Classroom and, and distance learning? Right. I think the number one thing to remind teachers when we're in this is why did we get into teaching in the first place? And for most of my colleagues, I can say we got into it for the students and being there to support them. And not only are we teaching them math, we're teaching them life skills and what we do as teachers on Zoom and how we portray ourselves reflects to the kids. And they're like, wow, you know, Ms. Schultz is in this pandemic with me 
And she's able to figure it out. What can I model that she's doing that for the teenagers in the same way I would in the classroom? How do I problem solve through things? You know, and I share with them, guys, I had a really bad day yesterday. I was so grumpy, but, you know, I figured it out. I calmed myself down and teaching them things like that. So for my colleagues, it's remember the impact that you have. It doesn't matter if you're virtual or you're in person, what you say, how you act, how you interact with your kids, it says something to them. And you may not know the impact you have on them for a couple of years, like the best emails writer from past students that say, oh my gosh, your class did, 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 or when you supported me through this. And that impact is still probably even more important now that kids are isolated socially is to just remember your words and actions mean so much to your kids. If kids are absent, I'm immediately sending them emails. Are you okay? Please let me know if you're all right. How can I help you? Just having that. So that's what I just try to remind myself as well as people who are struggling, like you're having an impact. It's just harder to see it. What about parents who are antsy about all this virtual education? I just tell them like together, you and me supporting your student, we're going to get them through this. We will prevent loss of educational knowledge um, the best that we can. I'm here to support the parent. I don't want to have an adversarial relationship with them because they're with their child now in a way I'm not. So I need their support. Come vent to me. If you have questions about how to help your son or daughter get engaged, let me know. I'll try to help you with that. This too shall pass. Eventually we will move through this and be stronger and more knowledgeable about so many things based on this pandemic. So kind of a chin up, I'm here to support you. Please reach out to me if you need anything. And for the students too, like when the whole capital thing happened last week, I noticed that kids were really nervous. And I said, hey, I'm not a social studies teacher, but if you wanna talk about it, please stay after Zoom. I'm here to discuss whatever emotions you're having about it. And so I had a few students that just stopped by and said they were scared and just so that they could vent and have somebody to talk it through. Like I could talk through my emotions about it and how I dealt with it to model what they could do. So for students, I just keep reminding them all the time. I'm here for you. If you need anything, tutoring, just let me know. If you need to just talk, Zoom me and it'll just be you and me and we'll have a conversation about what's going on. So you've hit on several of the things I asked Leslie, my daughter, specifically to give me a list of things that you're doing. And you've already mentioned most of the things she listed. One of them was she didn't use the term social emotional, but that's what you're describing about being open with the kids. And she mentioned when you invite them to talk about whatever's going on that they're stressing about. She also talked about the different options for one-on-one tutoring. Aurelio, when she says one-on-one tutoring, she is stressing to the kids, I want to fill up my calendar. <laughs> it's empty. There's some empty spots. Y'all come right. to tutoring. Like that encouragement. So it doesn't feel like it means you're struggling. It means you're, you know, furthering the help. And she even talked about leaving Zoom open the whole class period Mm -hmm. so that the kids can be doing their work and then just ask a question if it comes up. And there's some things they can do in groups, some assignments so they can hear from each other. And the videos, you know, even being there every day, she's there every day, but being able to go back and review is hugely important. For sure. She says you talk fast, which she says with a smile. So it's okay. 
it's just so much material to get in 30 right. minutes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. she, she did use the term check for understanding because of the worksheets that you do um, before a test and the opportunities that they have to review for a test. So she never feels not prepared for that. Oh, she also said when someone answers the question wrong, you explain why it's wrong, which seems obvious, but we have had cases of students we've worked with before where that's the opposite. Like they, teachers would just move on. You know, they have the teeth to, to uh, the standards to keep up with. And, well, and I love it when kids give me a wrong answer because one, it gives me an opportunity to fix those misconceptions that I can't fix like I used to in person. And so I always thank them. I'm like, thank you so much for answering that. Let's figure out, okay, what were you missing in this? I know other students got the same wrong answers. They were working through it, you know, trying to be encouraging I don't want to call it failure because it's not really failure, but you learn more from getting wrong answers sometimes than always getting right answers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to encourage more people to speak up. Leslie's amazing because I can read her lips now. So she, when I'm asking a question, she'll silently say the answer. And then, but I can still like see the kids and be like, oh yeah, yeah, Leslie, great. That was good. Or when their videos are open, of course. I wish we had had to some years ago. We were working with a, a very large high school in far west Texas with the parents. It was right when No Child Left Behind was getting all the scores published and stuff like that. And the parents had gotten a letter from school that over 50% of the sophomores had failed the, whatever the test was then. And so the parents did a survey. And based on what the students were telling them, one question they asked other parents, when the students don't understand a concept, the teacher teaches it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And most students said no. Oh, it, my it gosh. And then the other question was, when you have questions that the teacher answers them, most students said no, because the math department was on this race to, to cover chapters and stuff like that. And so they said even tutoring, the teacher was teaching exactly in the same way she did in the morning. And so the students still didn't get it. So I wish you're a model for what we were thinking about what a good math teacher should be. And thank you. For yeah. That. And it's, I mean, they challenge you to think about the concepts in a different way. It's challenging because sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I've t- told you five different ways. What's a sixth way that's going to finally yeah. get you? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate all the work you guys are doing to support public education as well. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.